0: Hi, I'm Farah. And
1: I'm Topi. And
0: you're listening to Minority Retort. Today, we're going to be talking about Wings of Desire, which is Topi's pick. Just a spoiler alert, we assume we've watched all the movies we talk about as we spoil all the major plot details. So if you haven't watched Wings of Desire and would like to, come back to us later.
1: All right. So Wings of of Desire is my pick um, for this episode. And it's a 1987 German language film, or mostly German language film about an angel, a guardian angel, if you want to call him that, who decides that he wants to actually take the plunge and become a human. That's basically the plot of the movie, and uh, and everything else surrounds that. I I guess I chose this because I remember seeing this a couple of years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, and it's one of the first films I saw that really you know, made an impact in the way I saw film. Um, I mean, I remember being seduced and, and in awe of the, the formal grace of the movie and the freedom of the camera and the the soundtrack being fractured and the, the pacing of it being very patient, I hadn't really seen anything like it at the time and and therefore I was kind of curious to go back and see what the film would do to me now after you know how many however many years, which is why I chose it. Had you heard about this movie much or I mean I know there's a there's a Hollywood remake called <laughs> City of Angels.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I remember seeing that movie. I think it was just one of those yeah. ones my mom picked up when I was little. And yeah. I watched it with her, and I remember thinking it was very silly. Um, so this was the first time that I'd actually watched Wings of Desire, the original.
1: I haven't actually seen Steve Angel. Should I see it?
0: it I guess Nicholas I will one Cage. day. That's all you really need to know. Aren't you so gonna- I guess
1: I'll tell you what I thought about it.
0: Well, I'm holding off saying what I thought about it. I generally have very positive feelings towards Utopia, but the two hours I spent watching this movie was the first time I was just like, genuinely was like, why is he putting me through this torture? I mean, you're talking to someone who like walked out of Birdman halfway through the movie. So I feel like my tolerance for sort of old guys pondering life's philosophy in a very heavy-handed and self-important way. And I know that the movie actually wasn't trying to not be heavy-handed. I mean it was very much supposed to be something that you're supposed to be lost in. But my tolerance for that is just so low. And Mm. there wasn't actually much else to this movie, like the love story I found. I mean, you could hardly even call it that, right? Like, that's my least favorite kind of love story where it's very conceptual and the woman and the man in some senses in this movie were more symbols than actual human beings. My enjoyment of films comes with their groundedness in in some sort of lived reality that I can relate to and and this movie didn't really deliver on that.
1: It's funny you say this because my reaction to the movie was probably not as positive as it was when I first saw it as well
0: no way yes <laughs> yeah.
1: but, but I but I, I still will not go even close to where you're going with the, <laughs> with your response to the movie I mean, and,
0: like we should yeah. describe what you kind of experience when you watch the movie right so I think one of the most important things to note is that it's shot in black and white for most of the movie the two main angel characters are these two guys yeah. and they wear like big black overcoats and they're basically wandering around the city and the first 20 to 30 minutes of the film is really interesting because what you, all, you basically see is these men walking around and getting little snapshots of people's thoughts mm. and the film really tries uh, to get a huge diversity of people so this is the first film when I where I've, I've seen if the first European film where I've seen where they acknowledge the existence of women in headscarves. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool like we yeah, never got yeah. to hear their thoughts I, I don't think it really tries to show the diversity of the people um, with in Berlin at the time. But then one of the angels falls in love with this, of course, this beautiful, leggy, you know, she she couldn't be ugly, right? Like, she has to be this, like, gorgeous, leggy, blonde trapeze artist. Um, oh, she's not
1: blonde. I, think she's, I think she's more like... Uh, it's hard
0: to tell because it's in black and white.
1: That's, I think she's a redhead, actually.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry. A redheaded trapeze artist. And she's thinking the most hilarious sort of like, she's like, what is life? What is art? <laughs> you know, that's basically her entire thought process. So, of course, this is did a guy...
1: Say what is on? No, Did no. She say what is this is but Come that's, on. That's,
0: like that's the general theme know, of her
1: thoughts. I know. Right? She says a lot more than that. The thing that lost me in this film this time, well, I won't say lost me, but the one that really frustrated me was the insistence on on the verbal expression of its ideas. You know, right. I thought that the film was strongest when it's, it used the more visual sort of modalities to express its ideas. So, for example, the first 40 minutes, where it's given us the sense of these beings, I guess angels, if you want to call them that, drifting through Berlin and getting a sense of humanity at that time in that city, what people are thinking about, what they're feeling, I thought that was a much more effective use of film than, say, the later hour and a half. Rather than sort of trying to express the fact that Damiel, which is one of the angels, the one that wants to become human, rather than expressing the fact verbally that he wants to become human, you start to see him almost becoming wishful, you know, almost wistful and almost dissatisfied with his existence. You know, I I thought that was more effective than when he starts talking about, talking to his friend, Cassiel about wanting to become a human.
0: Why don't you summarize what happened? So we know that he starts to fall in love with this trapeze artist and you hinted at what happened. So basically, after he starts to fall in love, combined with his sort of yearning to feel something and, and be part of something and feel what it's like to be mortal rather than immortal. Mm-hmm. He begins his journey to become a human, right? And in part that is aided by an actor, who actually he plays himself, but I don't. I forget his name. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I've been trying to figure out why Peter Falk is in this movie as himself. Peter Falk is, was not like a major star. It was not like having you know Marlon Brando turn up in the movie or, or or Catherine Hepburn. It was Peter Falk was in a couple of movies. He was most notable in a TV show called Columbo, where he played a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't actually worked with Vim Vendors before, so it's not as though like his Vim was bringing his friend back to act in the movie. But I just wasn't quite sure why. Peter Falk of all people would play himself as a former angel.
0: And that's in this a hilarious movie. thing. Yeah. So he is a former but angel who is now a human and he has made his life yeah. as an actor and he's the one who sort of helps guide this current angel into his human state and then there's another angel who can't help young man who tries to commit suicide Um, and then he's quite traumatized by that. So you were talking about how the movie insists on sort of verbalizing every single thought. I mean to add to that I feel like part of my frustration was that there was no sort of diversity of expression of the key ideas so we are really reliant on this particular way of talking the the way the movie is narrated is through very much like a voiceover though there are some conversations Mm -hmm. and it's really the same sort of droning philosophical meditation that uses the the same kind of language so even though yes of course they talk they talk about things that are more complex than sort of like what is the meaning of life it really is that tone of like we are talking about big Ideas now. If there had been a, a bit more complexity to the characters' dialogues with each other, for example, like if they if they talked, I found that one of the things that frustrated me is that the characters, when they talked to each other, were talking as if they were reading from a script. Right. So it didn't really have any like of the warmth of human connection, even when he was falling in love with that woman. And I, I think that's completely intentional. And I, and that, I think that's why people really love this movie. Um, but it just—it mm. didn't work on a visceral level. I mean, if you're going to talk about the deep things, if you're going to be—if t- mm. you're going to be talking about like love and death and life and mortality, it doesn't resonate with me to do it in mm. like a purely philosophical way. I guess
1: you know Peter Hunko is who wrote the script with from Vendors, I think he wrote most of the dialogue and most of what the characters say and think. Um, he's like a playwright and he was a novelist as well at the time. I feel that as though he falls into a trap, which is the idea that writing about deep ideas requires you to use a certain, as you were saying, language. I've seen films which deal with big ideas, but use almost the complete opposite spec- uh, type of language on, on the on the language on the spectrum. It, simple language, direct language, not this kind of circular, tortuous way of talking, which tries to be poetic but ends up losing itself in in its lugubrious sort of quality. It's the last scene, or the penultimate scene, between Marion, the trapeze artist, and Daniel, the angel. I just did not like it at all. She goes on in this spiel, which I don't quite understand. Did you get anything from that spiel she gave?
0: Everything Marion said <laughs> was so infuriating. I mean, when we were even first introduced to her, this is, this is one of the things she says. Longing. Yeah. Longing for a wave of love that would stir in me. That's what makes me clumsy. The absence of pleasure. Desire for love. Desire to love. What I don't why? care about what she is philosophizing about. I don't. I don't okay, ca- is, really care yeah, about is, her her character's tr- trials and tribulations.
1: Yeah. This is why I think that Love and Tour is a better film, and, and I'll use this movie to try and push you towards Love and Tour. <laughs> Because in Love and Tura, rather than explaining themselves, the characters don't. They just are. You are left to to sort of wonder about what they're thinking about. And it becomes obvious after a while what they may be thinking about. I mean, you project yourself into them if you want to. But I think it's much more sort of interesting to do that than to put these characters on the screen regurgitating these, you know, internal soliloquies, which really are probably less complex than the actual thoughts that they're thinking and less complex than the feelings that they're feeling. You know, I mean, with La Ventura, the complexity of the emotions is inexhaustible. Like, you you can go as far as you want, but with this, you limit it too much. And that was my frustration with the movie.
0: Yeah, to work of what you were saying, I mean, I think that one of the reasons I react so strongly to movies like this is they don't Mm -hmm. really allow for a great deal of interpretation. They're very dictatorial in what you're going to get out of it so we see that the character the the, char- the angel who wants to um, become a human, we see in his face that kind of longing and interest in human life and at mm-hmm. that point it, it's very complex and interesting because you can almost imprint mm-hmm. your own self onto it but then the movie mm-hmm. I think takes great pains to then tell you exactly what he is thinking and feeling and not just exactly. once but six or seven times in various iterations <laughs> Um and that actually feels very oppressive to like mm. as a viewer because because the filmmaker is only able to really view it through one lens. And in fact, I I read about various films that the um, filmmaker had directed and one of the articles that stood out to me, I wish I had my computer with me, but I don't, was critiquing him when he tried to travel to another culture. It was actually Australia. So he shot, I think, a film in Australia and he was trying to take on an Aboriginal Australian perspective and he -hmm. ended up, the article was saying he really flopped. And I can see that, right? Because he is very, very stuck in this sort of narrow vision of what it means to kind of contemplate life. And he doesn't Mm. allow for uh, diversity. Can we also just briefly talk about how there's literally a guy called Homer, the aged poet (laughs) in this movie?
1: Are we aware of that name? In the movie or is it only like in the credits?
0: I mean, even if it's in the credits, I feel like this is just a first-year college student walking out of his first yeah. classics course and being like, I'm going to do this in my life.
1: I'm sorry you feel that way. I mean, I agree. I mean, some people try to be very earnest and they and and I think there's an, enough proof in the movie that there is a deep earnestness within the people who made it to grapple with something deep. And I appreciate that they tried, <laughs> but I think as an artist, your responsibility is... To censor yourself, or, or not even censor yourself, but to be aware of how effective your approach is—that's that's why structure exists. That's why you know mm-hmm. editing exists. You got to be able to pull yourself in and and determine exactly which what's working and what's not. I've got a couple of things to ask you, or just to mention. The movie, I think, it's a very agnostic movie. It's got angels, yes, but it doesn't really mention God. Or it doesn't really mention anything obviously religious. And my question to you is, you know, what? sort of purpose or what, what do you think the angels signify? What do they mean?
0: So the film starts with one of the angels coming to earth and he's standing I think on top of a tower and he looks like one of the gargoyles. They are linking mm. it to Christianity but yeah, they're yeah. also subverting it in a way by making the angels take on human qualities. I mean if these angels are, are their utmost desire is to be human then to be human is actually the greatest thing you can
1: possibly be. This movie to me in some way seems to suggest something about sexuality. When I think about why it is that Damiel falls for Marion, I wonder, like, why? Because one, this guy you know, moves around the, the entire city. He He's privy to the innermost thoughts and feelings of most people that he meets. Being an angel and being sort of, you know, God's minions, in a way, he should be the bearer of endless and inexhaustible love. And he seems to have that for everybody. Like, he kind of looks at everyone with sort of this deep fondness and care. But why this one person? Like, why Marion?
0: It builds on that humanist ideal of the movie because what he craves about being human is like the physicality of being human. Mm. Like he wants to be sick. Like one of the lines I remember is he says, I really, I want to know what it's like to have a fever. I think one of the reasons that um, sexual desire or romantic desire is an impetus for him to become human is Mm -hmm. that idea that this, I guess the movie is saying that this is one of the kind of ultimate ways to feel our bodies and to express our bodies. I wonder what he's feeling. If he can't feel a human the kind of human emotions that come with like love and sexuality Mm. as when he's an angel then what is he feeling when he's well i assume they feel
1: love i mean they they definitely feel affection and fondness it's obvious but but why for her
0: is it because she thinks such deep things like the absence (laughs) of pleasure is why i'm a bad trapeze artist i mean she is profoundly lonely uh, and that's really mm. the kind of driving force of her character. She has this kind of gap that he can fill in. Is one of the uh-huh. things that attracts him to her. Because I guess almost sees a space in her kind of intellectual <laughs> life that he wants to fill. And then he will fill her physically as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. as he says a couple of times in the movie, towards the end, okay. I want to be inside you. That's
0: why I have such a big problem with relationships in films. Um, particularly like romantic relationships that are at their heart philosophical and symbolic. I mean, that is just such an unhealthy way to view the coming together of two people. The idea that one person needs the other and and their entire existence mm. is characterized by needing and the other's entire existence is characterized by giving. I feel like that's such a facile way of looking at the dynamics between two beings.
1: Or you could argue that being symbolic, their love is never going to be love as we understand it. That it's more the combination of two different but complementary bodies of energy. You know, I I guess that's the only way I could see it as (laughs) being sort of valid or or interesting. And also, can you explain to me... God, this movie is starting to piss me off. Can you explain to me (laughs) why she realizes that that he is meant to be, quote-unquote, the one she's with at the bar? What makes her walk up to him and accept his drink?
0: There's so much evidence, that scene included, that makes me feel like the filmmakers really just deeply thought that... This was a great (laughs) relationship that they should be putting on screen. When you say what made her go up to him, I think what made her go up to him is that a dude sat down and was like this is what she will do now. This character has yeah. no personality other than her like pseudo deep thoughts that she has. There's no nothing to go by for which I can draw on and say, oh, you know, her character is like this and thus this is why she should do things. She is like a pawn at the service of the directors and the yeah. writers.
1: On the, on the note of Marion, so Solvig Domotin, who was the actress, I, I was actually shocked to realize that she wasn't actually a, a gymnast or a trapeze artist beforehand.
0: She is really beautiful and I love, I know that what you to the film was its formal qualities and I think the scenes that she was in she has this kind of grace that wasn't too over the top like I feel like they didn't mm. make her into this kind of like in love Ventura where the women are just so artfully done up that it, right. They're nothing but art. like They're just pieces yeah. of art on the screen. Yeah, yeah. She definitely is a human and the, and the the way she moves and the scene she's in are, are really just really immersive and beautiful.
1: And a lot of people have responded to the movie. A lot of people love this movie. There is almost uh, unanimous
0: enjoyment of this movie. I have not found... I found a few negative reviews. What do they say? That it was just very overwrought and heavy-handed oh, and yeah. it dragged yeah. on too long, which is what we think. But it's just amazing to me that there is really no substantial critique of the, this movie's ideas and, and what it's bringing to the table. It's, it's not that it's not beautiful and it's not that it's not doing something really special and different formally, but the content of its ideas is So it's just so high school philosophy class. I think that's actually the flaw of movies that purely want to deal in philosophy um, and having have that purest vision. Is that our lives are complex, and what and what makes them complex is coming in and out of both reality and theory, and that kind of negotiation of reality and theory. I think our bonus episode this week, Inside Out, is the best example of that, where there is a sort of philosophical core of the movie, but what makes it interesting and engaging, and what makes people want to grapple with ideas is to show how they relate to your life.
1: So the sort of the scene where Marion meets the actual now human Damiel in that Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds concert I was watching it and I was thinking, this is an interesting scene because it creates kind of a circle. This angel decides that despite where he is, despite being privy to eternity and truth, decides that he wants to experience something that he doesn't experience, which is the the human experience. And at this concert, you have a bunch of people who, being human, have experiences and seek some kind of transcendent truth. So they they look up to these artists who are on stage, and then the angel is there and is tortured about not being able to use that understanding to do anything to anyone. Do you think um, it's saying
0: that art and artistry is the truest way that people can almost like transcend and connect with other people?
1: In that in that moment, I think the movie is becoming very um, dark uh, and very sort of what's the word? Uh, not, I wouldn't say nihilistic, but it's almost despairing because. It implies that what you end up reaching if you are an artist of the highest order is despair. If you're trying to be an angel, if you're trying to reach that celestial omniscience, what do they have? They want to be you. So it's kind of like this weird equilibrium where you cannot be satisfied on either end. And I think it's something that you know a lot of artists seem to struggle with, which is even if they're great, even if they've produced a lot of, of art which really touches people, a lot of artists are still, in, in essence, conflicted and, and confused and don't know what their, their, their sort of output has done yeah
0: absolutely you know? yeah. yeah like because artists i feel i feel like as artists get more and more successful um and they reach so many people you know like we always kind of praise celebrities and you know like famous authors and artists for mm. staying down to earth when that happens right <laughs> um and yeah. and because it is it's like to do that, to have your ideas be kind of permeated in people's minds is this like mm-hmm. incredible power and so that idea that artists are kind of doing the work of angels in a way I think that's actually a really really smart thing that, that the movie is saying and it's almost like it's it's using the concept of an angel and what an angel can do right, so the angels walk around and they hear people's thoughts and they kind of get a sense yeah. of the city and yeah. they get a sense of that time and place and isn't I mean that is what great art does, great True. art but it speaks to a Zeitgeist sure. and a generation, sure. right?
1: But the movie seems to say it's also futile. With all that power, with all that um sort of with the ability to absorb the sort of the the, the sort of the communal feeling and express it back to people doesn't always provide solace necessarily maybe it does for the people who are listening and the people who are you know viewing and and appreciating your art but perhaps for you as an artist it may not do anything and maybe sometimes you may feel as though what you're doing is not really useful to anybody and i think that's something a lot of artists may struggle with is whether what they are producing whether it's good or not actually has any effect
0: because the angels end up being fundamentally sort of dissatisfied with that power i think it's also saying that an artist wants to be inspired it they do not want to be mm. the inspirer. Um, and that's right. the kind of the trap right. of being an point. artist. One of my professors in university said that never meet your favorite author because you'll always be disappointed. Artists, a lot of the time, they don't really know what they're doing when they, <laughs> like, I mean, that's their genius, <laughs> I agree. right? I agree. There might be an aspect of del- deliberation, but. The um, ability to capture the thoughts and and feelings of a huge group of people is something that's much more um, linked to genius, and it's a gift.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, true. It's
0: fundamentally not very fulfilling, right? And yeah. I almost think that the movie is like that. That's the problem with the movie is that it's it, it does such a good job of sort of unraveling that role of the artist, but then when it comes to itself, it is itself such a deliberate and pl- like yeah. plottingly plotted movie that it, I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously it reached a lot of people because so many people love it. But personally for me, it, it didn't reach me. Yeah.
1: That's a good point. That's a good way to end on. On a movie that we that you didn't like at all. And I love I that I t- I, I brought you over less. to my side. You're I didn't like- come anywhere to your side. I I <laughs> I slightly I moved slightly towards your side, but not at all as far as you went. You hated this movie more than Love and Tour. That's amazing. Cool. I'm gonna try and find something that you will hate even more. We're gonna do Jean. <laughs> Jean Dillman next, okay? And we'll see if you like that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I want to like your movies. I do. But
1: I... Same, same, likewise, likewise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I guess that's all we have to say about Wings of Desire or um, The Sky Over Berlin or Heaven Over Berlin. You can find out more from our podcast if you go to com. That's retort with a T, not report. Um, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and subscribe to us there. And we also have a Facebook page. So if you would like to hear updates about the newest episodes that will be coming out if you want to communicate with us um, and if you want to get some behind the scenes photos and outtakes you can like our facebook page and get all that straight into your newsfeed. Um, we'll be back awesome. next week talking about my choice saving face which is a, a movie about two chinese american women queer women um, negotiating a relationship in the backdrop of their cultural landscape
1: okay i'll see you next week
0: yeah we'll see you next week bye
1: bye